HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Jewel by Chef Steps is a proud sponsor of Beer Sessions Radio. Jewel sous vide is the future of the kitchen. Jewel, perfect food every time. Learn more at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey guys, it's Tuesday, November 13th, 2018. I'm Jimmy Carboni, the host of Beer Sessions Radio. We're going to have a great show in front of us. Um, we'll be talking with some New York City brewers who've traveled uh, into Europe recently. And um, hopefully we'll end up drinking a lot of good beer. So um, one of my good buddies, Pete Lengel, uh, is the brewer and co-owner at uh, KCBC Brewing. Not too far from here in Bushwick. And... Uh, a couple of years ago, he was in, uh, had a cool trip on a motorcycle to down to Franconia in Germany, and uh, he just was just out in Scandinavia. So, Pete, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Jimmy. Good to be here. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm really interested in your travels. In fact, just, just now at the bar at Roberta's Pizza, you said that you're tired because you're traveling so much. So tell, tell me where you went and uh, what, what you do on these trips, because it seems like you, you guys are always out there in different countries, different breweries. Yeah, I think that's part of... Uh the, the modern craft beer scene is that you have to go out and promote yourself. I always say kind of like a band going, you know, touring with their new album. But we want to get our name out in circles, and it's kind of a social media gig, too. Um, and it's great to meet other brewers and brew with them and learn from them and share ideas and technique and uh, just uh, spread the KCBC love around the world. Um, Recently, it was a Scandinavia trip. My partner, Tony, had already been there, so he'd met a bunch of brewers. He did some collaboration brews out there, and then we got invited back for a, a festival. It's usually a fest that anchors this sort of thing. So they invite you over for a fest, and you're like, if we're going to spend the money to send one of us over, we're going to try to pick up some collabs and make some friends. So this was the all-in beer fest. Uh, I guess that was last weekend, shit. <laughs> um, that was in uh, Gothenburg, Sweden. 
So all in, yeah, fest. yeah. There's a brewery called All In that was their annual fest. But we started the trip off by we, I mean myself. <laughs> this was a solo. Um, started off in Oslo and went to a brewery called Almondson, which is absolutely phenomenal brewery. Um, gorgeous space. They got a big uh, browcon system, canning line, bottling line, barrel program, massive uh, uh, warehouse that they bought. They like they did it right. These guys are like planning for success. They got plenty of space to grow. And they just bought all the the best like quality equipment they could get, and they're making like excellent beers over there. Wow, man! So, the, so the world's catching on to craft beer. Absolutely, like everywhere I went in Scandinavia, the beers were just as good as what we got coming over here in the states. And they're like brewing the same stuff we got, you know, hazies, sours, barrel aged. Um, they're you know doing similar malt bills, similar hopping techniques, everything we're doing. It's like the community with, I guess, technology, like, is pretty small. Like, I've been over to Germany, England, uh, South America. Everyone's listening to the same podcast. We're all uh, sharing information over the Internet. Uh, We're all collaborating internationally. We're all kind of sharing everything globally, and it's pretty cool to see. the same, but I was kind of looking for something different, and there was. There were some breweries doing traditional brewing techniques over there, and they were using that Quebec yeast, which we're using here too, but they were kind of using it in a traditional ale. So let's talk about that. So last month, uh, the guy from Hand Brewery was in town, Stefan, and he was talking about the Quebec yeast. So that was new to me. I hadn't heard of it, but it seems like it's it's like this new magic yeast. Yeah, it's, I've been hearing about it for a while, and we haven't brought it in yet, but... We're going to do our first Quebec brew next week in collaboration with Trevor from Greenpoint Beer and Ale. He's been he's been brewing it with it for a while now. He's been getting really good success. I went over and tried a bunch of the beers he made with it, and now we're going to put one into a beer uh, on Tuesday at KCBC in collaboration with him and use some of his hopping techniques. Uh, so again, collaborations, we're like sharing ideas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, but it must be exciting that you went to another country and you actually... Discover something. So this Quebec yeast is is something that's been around for a long time. Oh yeah, I think it's I don't know like age wise, but it's, it's like a, a yeast that's been passed down through the generations, and it's got some real interesting. Like, its profile is um, well, it's highly attenuative. It's highly uh, flocculative. I don't know if that's a word. And, uh, and <laughs> I don't know and, that second word. And it ferments without producing fusels at really high temperature. So it doesn't produce a hot, nasty, like burning alcohol beer at really hot temperature, which also means it ferments very quickly. So you can get a beer. Um, I know uh, Trevor said he's put it on an IPA in one week, which is ridiculous. Our IPAs on average take 17 days. Wow, so oh, it's a, yeah, it's a magic uh, magic yeast, huh? I think you can get into the 90s with it, and it's still clean, and it produces some nice ester profile. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because what I heard before the Quebec was that it, it was something that you'd make a Norwegian farmhouse, you know, farmhouse yeah. ale with. That's what I tried over there, and I think some of the breweries were probably using it in IPAs too, but we're going with an IPA. It's great, man. Well, cheers. Yeah. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, so I'm drink- we're drinking one of your IPAs right now. What is it? <clears throat> yeah, this is uh, another collaboration. This is with a band, though, this time. This is Behemoth. They're a black metal band out of Poland. Um, 
I know this podcast is supposed to talk about German loggers, but um, <laughs> I was I was in the cold room beca- before heading over here, and we're like flat out of any lager right now. So um, I brought an IPA that we collabed with a Polish, not German, band, not brewery, um, and I brought a stout that we did with Randolph Beer. Um, so this is a seven-seven stout, Maris Otter, um, flaked wheat, flaked rye, Citra Motuek, and Centennial. I know you're you're <coughs> checking. You you said you you, need, you seem like you want to know the recipe. I you do. Want to tell me. Um, you have a lot of recipes, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I <coughs> coming up in the home brewing scene. I used to used to work in Westchester, and I drive at least three hours a day back and forth to work, and I'd listen to these podcasts. And it, it would always kind of like bothered me that the brewers couldn't remember their recipes. Like, how do you not know the recipe? That's your recipe. Now that we've put um, close to a couple hundred brews in the tank, I can't remember my own recipes either. <laughs> There's so it's a, we're doing two to three beers a week, and we we put a lot of thought into them. But like once it's done, it's written down. We've got a catalog. We can know everything that went into that beer, and it's kind of like off the server in the brain yeah and what so, are you looking at now to to, to pull up this beer I, I just wrote notes off of uh the can <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is one that we did a, a zero day dry hop on as well so there's a lot of breweries been doing this for a while another thing i've been what's zero I, day dry hop well you you actually knock out the wort into the fermenter and there's already hops in there <laughs> wow so the idea is you're getting a biotransformation and it's producing these compounds called thiols that are fruity. Oh, there's Cat Martinez. Hey, all right. <clears throat> so, who, who you learn from the most? You think every collaboration, you, you, you learn something different? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that's what I love about this industry is everyone is like totally open. Um, they are no one's holding back secrets. They're like, yeah, this is how we do it. This is what we do, and we give and take and share everything we know. Great. And everyone makes better beer. Well, Katarina Martinez just walked in from Lineup Brewing, and uh, she had a special trip. You were just in Germany <laughs> for a Pink, Pink Boots Society scholarship trip. I did. So great to have you on. Thank well, I you. wanted to say, because Pete and I were t- chatting outside at the bar, and he's just been telling us about his recent trip to Scandinavia. But what, what seems to be happening is that the New York City Brewers Guild is so strong. I know you guys have a gathering tonight over at Braven Brewery, but it's so cool that so many people from around the world, brewers are coming here to do collaborations with you guys. Yeah, there's two uh, Russian brewers in town right now that I'm trying to get over here. <laughs> you <laughs> I, know. I, I, I ran into them. Zagavar, uh, they're awesome. They're with Finback right now, so nobody's responding, though, but hopefully they'll show up before the show's over. <laughs> oh, yes. yes, bring them in here. That'd be awesome. So, Kat, it's great to have you back on the show. Thank you. I feel like I live here. I'm so, always on the show with not, you. Not too long ago, a month ago, you told us about uh, the Pink Boot Society and, and the the trip you were going on. Yes. So uh, how was it? I saw a great photo on Instagram. <laughs> you, you, you brought back a number of German beers. I, I did. Um, it was really life-changing. So the, the Pink Boots does a bunch of scholarship programs uh, when you're a member. And if you're not familiar with the Pink Boots, they are uh, a, a society for women that are in beer, that make money from beer, um, which is really awesome. And there's a lot around the world. Um, it's definitely ever-growing. Um, but one of the biggest perks of being a member is you can apply for these scholarships. So this scholarship um, sent me to the lower Franconia region um, to a bunch of breweries that, um, for the most part, are, a good majority of them are uh, handled by women. So, uh, w- which means women brewers, uh, women 
owners, like just a ton of um, really strong, awesome women. So the trip itself was absolutely life-changing. Um, and yes, I, I brought back a lot of beer. <laughs> you saw my suitcase. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> no, that's cool. And I remember Pete, I think we invited Pete too, because uh, two summers ago, uh, you, you took a trip on a motorcycle. You ended up in Franconia. <laughs> You're at the Gonstaller Brewery. Yeah, well, actually, that trip, again, was not a festival, but it was a, a tap takeover for a new bar opening that the Russian brewers <laughs> opened a bar. <laughs> and uh, they're called Zegavor Brewery, by the way, and I think they're on their way. But <clears throat> they opened a, a bar in, in Berlin and invited us and, and a bunch of their other NYC friends over to send beer and then come for their their grand opening. And it was Berlin Beer Week. And then it turns out the Shelton brothers were over there as well for their annual trip. And they always go down to Bavaria. They go everywhere, but they go to Bavaria and they uh, go to this festival called Anafest, which is ridiculous. It's like it's it's on a mountainside, and it's all the local breweries down there, and they all have their old kellers, which is a cellar, which are these giant tunnels dug in, into the mountainside. They're hundreds of years old, and that's where they would lager their beer. And so on this weekend when they have the fest, they all the breweries are there, and they open up their kellers, and they're serving steins of beer out of their kellers and everyone's you just, just walk around and go to the different kellers <laughs> yeah wow <clears throat> and it, some some you know first observations from your trip to that part of germany cat it looks I mean, like disneyland <laughs> <laughs> yes there are i we actually stayed in a bunch of castles it's very weird it's just castles everywhere but um uh it's so interesting because they have that purity law, right? And we're seeing this crazy influx of uh, new beer and um, what we're calling a craft beer m- movement. But to them, they've been making craft beer for way longer than we have. Um, they just do it better, according to them. <laughs> They're very confident in this. Uh, but they, you know, uh, if you're not familiar with the purity law, uh, you can only use four ingredients, uh, which is water, yeast, hops, and grain. Um and originally three originally three because 15, they didn't 15. right and they didn't they didn't know um oh, they didn't know about yeast. they didn't know about yeast yeah, they didn't the know 1800s. what was making it it was like the best yeah yeah it was like the first uh, almost food wait safety so let's law. go back if they didn't know about yeast before louis pasture and they what do they have an old spoon that that was collecting yeast and they if they added that in weren't they violating the rules <laughs> they were just that was just, just part of the equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just I mean it's used floating around you all of the time. I guess the most bizarre thing that I saw there um was just all of the open fermentation uh for all their lagered beers um without any sort of like off flavors or infections or anything. They're all uh these just what we would picture being like a sort of cool ship situation. Um, and it's all open fermentation for every single uh, Hellas, Pilsner, everything. If all of their top fermented yeast is in these. Um, and they swear by it. They've been doing it for, again, for generations. And um, it allows them to scoop all of uh, the yeast off from the top, as well as any of those bitter tannins that they don't want um, in the beer. And then they just reuse the yeast it's it's crazy and we're all like oh my god don't breathe in this room we're worried don't touch anything like um and they don't god i didn't taste a single funky beer out there just the best lagered beer you've ever tasted in your entire life i miss it honestly can you tell this is delicious too whatever we're drinking uh, ipa <laughs> was it casey please not ryan heights seven 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 so and your trip to peace so you were at gonstellar you're on the hills of the Keller. Yeah, we went down in uh, Keller Hills. 
one of the Shelton Brothers breweries is this guy Gonstall. Gonstaller's the brewery. Um, he's actually an American ophile. Uh, he has a cool ship. He has an old, old tower brewing system, so it's uh, it's gravity. But he's put some modern uh, equipment in there as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and on the top of the of the tower is a cool ship, and he uses it when he knocks out his wort, and he uses it like a hopback. Um, so we actually did a. a it was a. A Doppelbach, we called it a Hoppelbach because we put Citra and Mosaic hops in the cool ship and knocked out onto that. Um, and yeah, he's in that tower. Actually, he's got like license plates from all 50 American states. Um, he's got a hop tattoo on him. He likes hops. Um, Germans, I, I, I think, make wonderful beer. I think they make beautiful, malty, amazing liquid. But I wish they just put, and I said it before, a little more hops in there. <clears throat> and he does. <clears throat> so he's he's been influenced by us, and it's still a Reinheitsgebot. But, yeah, so we made a nice beer there, and it made it to the States, like, I don't know, eight, nine, ten months later. <laughs> <laughs> and what we, so, so, Morka, I, yeah. I, I've been so excited to see you and, and hear about I this little know. trip. Was, uh, was this cool ship copper? Yeah, of course. So there's only four of them operating in Germany, These and they're massive, right? <laughs> they're, like, the biggest like things you've ever seen um, and they use them for cooling and they're slightly like slanted so they create they use it for a whirlpool they use it for a hot back and um yeah it's a settling tank yeah and it's they're exactly and they're beautiful they're like the most beautiful things you've ever seen just old copper um they'll chill it down to 70c and then they'll take it over a huge yeah, changer yeah exactly uh but i mean for these things they've been around for so long they're so they're very very yeah, beautiful cool. yeah um I, one of my favorites that we saw was um which is probably everybody's favorite from the trip that they've seen was sister doris um uh, who is a, a nun. People know her because I guess Vice did a thing on her, um, but she's in Mallersdorf, and she's um, she's the only brewing nun in the world, um, and she just turned 70, which is like, or she's turning 70, which is crazy, and she doesn't have anybody to, like, take over for her. She literally <laughs> brews on this 60 hectoliter system, which is about 50 barrels here, um, all by herself, and it's it's crazy she's just like she does it and she goes up so many stairs because they're so like uh, uh you know ecologically friendly out there they don't want to use elevators or anything so there's like oh my god i swear i went up a thousand stairs uh while every single place. is yeah. at a premium over there and yeah. it's and it's the carbon footprint yeah it's it really almost every uh, brewery i went to had um an all had an alternate uh, energy source. So whether it was a wood chipper or solar power or uh, wind energy, they were very proud of the fact that what they had was operated by uh, energy. You know, interesting, the first ever uh, um, time any archaeologist or historian, I guess, found any any mention of hops was a, a... a German nun in the year, I think, nine, really? 900. Okay. She said that they, uh, actually, when we went to, uh, the, you know, any of these uh, abbeys, uh, whether it was nuns or, um, or you know, what's the male equivalent? I get monks. They, um, they're having a lot of trouble uh, <laughs> finding new ones. So she told us every, you know, every year, like 50, you know, 50 nuns die. 
whereas every five years they get a new one. And so they're like having a really hard time recruiting um, in these abbeys. So um, I think a lot of people think in the abbeys you have to be uh, a nun or, um, you know, a patre or one of the people that are part of the church. It's just not, it wouldn't ever be possible anymore. So the people in a lot of the abbeys I saw, they were not uh, ordained or anything. So yeah. uh, they just only heard, only heard. But the rest of them were like, like they work there, but they, you know. They don't have just all like religious people. I wish. Same thing in Belgium. Yeah. Like yeah. there's very. I don't know if there's any actual monks. I think West Lettering might have one, but yeah. Or Shimei, but I think everyone else is late. I know Shimei is yeah. what tricks us into it, is because of yeah. all their labeling. But there's not monks bringing. <laughs> no, no, no. There are monks bringing. And hey, you got. Uh, oh, we got you, you're getting everybody involved. So who's your buddy? <laughs> this is Alex from Zegavor. How This Moscow. guy just walked Hi, in. Hello, guys. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. So you're the Russian brewer. Yes. You're all over. You, you're yes. at other half. This guy's all over Comrade. New York City. I, I keep hearing about you. Everyone says the Russian brewers in town. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't get it. Oh, people will translate. Okay. He's just saying that uh, you're popular. No, 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 not yet anymore. Yeah. Actually, you travel a lot. Yeah. It just happened because I love beers. You, know? you guys have prolific brewers. Yes. Yes. Well, great. And hey, they make great beer too. Trying to be. Quickly, what's the name of your brewery? It's Zagor, means uh, in English conspiracy. Great, man. Listen, we're going to take a short break because we've been on for a while. We'll be back in a minute on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Okay, thanks. Here on Beer Sessions Radio, we care about what you're drinking, and we want to help you out in the kitchen too, for real. There's one smart kitchen appliance that makes cooking simple, the Joule sous vide. Joule uses precise temperature control to take the guesswork out of cooking. So steak, chicken, seafood, pork, roast, eggs, veggies, all come out exactly the way you like them. Joule comes with hundreds of step-by-step recipes and guides for endless inspiration. Bring out your inner chef without any effort. Joule, perfect food every time. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E and use our code HRN to get $15 off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E, code HRN. That you can never just live Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, our annual gala is coming up in December. Just check it out, heritageradionetwork.org, and uh, support, support the network because we have some great shows, farm shows, cheese shows, chef shows, and, of course, Beer Sessions Radio. All right, it's a special show today. Katarina Martinez from Lineup Brewery just came back from her Pink Boots Society trip to Franconia, Germany. How are you, Katarina? Lovely. How are you, Jimmy? Great, and we got a buddy, our new buddy from the Russian brewer who's in town. Hello, everybody. Tell us, <laughs> tell us your name again, the name Alex. of the brewery. Alex from Zagor Brewery in Moscow. In Moscow. And, of course, Pete, Pete Lenja from KCBC. Yeah, so we were talking about a lot of things. Traveling around Europe, but also uh, all the different brewers that are coming to New York City now. But keep going. Talk about Franconia, Kat, because I know you were inspired. <laughs> you yeah. posted some really cool stuff. I, I mean, we went... Honestly, by the sixth day, I was very tired. We went to a lot of different places, learned a lot just about uh, German techniques uh, that, like, we knew about, but, like, we don't really do a lot of here. Um, 
so, I mean, their systems are different. Uh, you know, everything's measured in metric system different than what we do. But um, at the end of the day, it's very similar. Um, but I would say that just, just a lot more lagered beers, and they do it so well. Uh, the history of the lagering is probably the most interesting to me. We saw a lot of old-school ice machines because, uh, you know, it was illegal for them to even brew beer in the summer um, for a long time because, you you know, it, they didn't have any temperature control. And, like, the, the cave Pete was talking about, we saw some of those. Uh, actually, in the oldest abbey we went to is from 1050, which is crazy. They had one of those caves, and it cools it down to... Even still, without artificial, it still cools it down to around 8 degrees Celsius, So, which is, like, so cold, you know? Um, and it allowed them to make a lot of really just delicious lagered beers. Um, the hop side of it is... <laughs> I, I like that they don't use as many hops as we do. Uh, Pete was just saying how he <laughs> wishes they did. Um, but that's the only way um, up, that right? they like, can... Uh, really experiment uh, in this like new craft beer scene. So you're starting to see a lot more IPAs and um, people trying to do new things uh, out there. So I think a lot of people think that's a big misconception. They think that German people don't make IPAs or don't do that. Um, but that's they're allowed to do that. That's actually the main way they're allowed to experiment. So. And then, uh, so Pete, tell us how you met met our Russian <clears throat> brewer friend uh, in jail. And Kat, why don't, you, <laughs> why don't you pop one of your German beers yeah, for yeah. us? Yeah, um, well, this is a weird beer, uh, uh, but you could go tell him how you met in jail. I was actually brewing at Finn back at the time, and he came by for a collab in and, New York. I, yeah, yeah, I think he was here for other half and Finn back collab. At the yeah, time. how'd you meet? What social media uh, interwebs? No, no, I met uh, Sam from other half festival uh, somewhere a festival in Europe. And then we like, I told him I'd come in like next couple months, and he said, "Okay, let's do something." And then through the up. other half, met uh, Finback and stuff like this. And then we met Pete, and he told us, "I'm planning to open brewery somewhere soon. Come back and do something with us." So, you know, it's like beer world is small, and like it's like a lot of friendship making easy because people feeling uh, because it's beer. Yeah, because it's beer, people. People just love it and love share knowledge, love share everything. What what about the scene in Germany? So did you open up a, a tap room in? Yeah, we have a tap room Berlin. in Berlin. Our partnership tap tap room with local friend of us partner. Uh, you know, it's kind of weird. It's still like a lot of old school, old school beer and old school stuff happening in Germany. People love the pilsners. People love the traditional stuff, and it's very cheap and good quality and it's really tough market for craft beer actually now i think one day it might change but now it's pretty tough market because people love their local beers yeah very supportive of their local and right tra- yeah. yeah, now they love traditional beers yeah i think they have that's actually probably their biggest problem if they're trying to introduce new things any ipa uh, you know they use a lot more hops is like five euros on the menu Whereas like a half liter of a Hellas is, you know, two euros and you're yeah, like, yeah. Mm, and everybody's so traditional. They're like, no, I'm going to stick with this Hellas. And it's, a, you know, again, the best Hellas you've ever had. Um, and it's local. And so they are having a lot of trouble um, changing with the times. I'm sure that's crazy. So what what is it about the, the, the German traditions? You know, they're making great lagers. You guys as brewers, you know, what, what are they doing that we don't do here? Or, or can we also make? great lagers like that we can um 
I think the main thing that they're doing that we're not doing mostly, but some brewers are, is decoction, mm-hmm. which is a, mm-hmm. a technique whereby you're, it's historical, and it was originally basically finishing what the maltster could not do at the time in the brew house. So it's, it's a way of a kind of stepping up through temperature ranges of the mash. They had under-modified malt, so they had to do these step mashes where they'd take a portion out, and they would basically boil it, and they'd put it in the kettle. Like the, at Gon's Style, he has a kettle with a, a rotating chain in the bottom, so it keeps the malt from scorching on the kettle bottom, which was direct-fired. Um, and then they move that back into the mash to raise the whole mash to another temperature step. And they do that up to three times, maybe even more, I don't know. And it would finish what the maltster wasn't able to do back in the time with the technology and, and the quality of the malt, the, the barley. And that's um, called decoction. Decoction. And it gives you, it's debated, but it gives you a, a unique kind of malt character that some people think is not necessary with today's malts and the variety of malts we have. But a lot of, I think a lot of German brewers are still doing that. Yeah. Um, and they do a lot of things. They're like very careful about their their fan, their free amino nitrogen content. They they do a lot of settling with their lagers, like even before transferring it into the fermenter. They'll do a little settling tank and try to just get just the wort. And like Kat was saying with their open fermentation, they'll they'll take off what's called the brown hef, which is the the yeast that has a lot of these harsh uh, tannins in it. And they'll remove that. They're always trying to like clean and clean and clean and make um, very clean and pure wort. And then they're fermenting it cold with their lager strains and actually properly doing a lager where they keep <laughs> it cold for an extended period of time to where it's it's at its optimum like flavor and, and uh, conditioning. And then they'll put it out. We have a lot of stress as a small brewer in the U.S. to get beer out. We make loggers, we make lots of loggers, and we do five weeks, which is a long, a long loggering period for a lot of brewers. And that ties up our tanks. We could put two, two and a half, maybe three ales out in that time that we're sitting with one logger in the tank. And loggers don't sell, even though they take more time to produce and actually cost you more opportunity cost to make that beer. They sell for a lot less than an IPA. Yeah. So that's why you see most craft brewers putting out ales, because... They can turn them around a lot faster, and they can sell them for more than a lager. And so, if you get, um, we were talking before about the Quebec yeast from uh, yeah. Norway. So, if you start using Quebec <laughs> yeast, you're going to be <laughs> you could double your, doing your it production. Faster. Yeah, yeah. I'd and, say that's like the difference for sure. Um, well, there's two things, like you said, uh, the time that they take to lager. Oh no! First, we'll start with decoction. Everybody does a double decoction, which is just not common here um, that I know of, anyway. Uh, and it's probably it's funny because it is arguable that it's maybe not even worth it. But they're just not even gonna change their process. Like they've been doing it for so long that they don't even care. And there's I I mean there's a little bit of magic behind it and the flavors that they're getting. So I wouldn't change it either. Um, and then the other side of it is yeah I mean they're lagering for eight weeks. That's it. Like that was what they told me. Maybe at the very least six, but like almost every single one of them is, um, you know, lagering for a really long time. And that's for us in America. We're just really trying, especially in New York City, really trying to crank beer out. Right. Um, everything's very fast paced here. So that was, I think, that was probably the most refreshing part of being out there. Is the 
uh, the slowdown of the time that it took, the time, the quality, the care that they put into it. I have two, two anecdotes about German beer. A couple of years ago, um, because, you know, like the, the, the stand, I know Germans are diehard lovers of their, their beers, and some of the, the standard international brands, like a Beck's, a German television uh, station, did a taste test where they took the Beck's that was made in Germany and the Beck's that was made in America. Totally to see, different. To see if the Germans could actually <laughs> taste it. And I thought that was hilarious because I don't know if anybody could. Do you, do you think they could? Absolutely. I, I actually brought Beck's. I did the same thing myself. I brought a bunch of beer back, as Kat did. And I purposely brought some Beck's back and went and bought some at the store here and did a side-by-side. They're completely different. And I don't know if that's a matter of our distribution and the freshness of the beer or where it was produced or if it's been pasteurized or what. I think they're probably both pasteurized, but I don't know what it was, but they're very different. And when Kat cracked this beer and poured me some, (laughs) that is a classic with a twist, because yeah. she'll tell you in a minute, but German lager aroma, and, and for me, it's a, it's, a, it's a slight but very enjoyable sulfur uh, content that's in there that I love. Yeah. And, and when you drink Beck's in Germany, it's there. When you drink Beck's here, it's not. Yeah, yeah. So what, what beer did you pour? <laughs> the classic I brought, lager I brought a very a weird beer. Um, this is from a little tiny town called uh, Nittenau, and... So uh, this is Brauhaus Nittenauer, and they... <laughs> Nittenauerbrau? Nittenauerbrau. <laughs> it rhymes. Um, this is... I had a really weird experience here because when we got there, their owner was like, hey, we have an American brewer. This is our American brewer. And so, of course, I went up to him and I was like, hey, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Colorado. And I was like, what? I was like, I'm from Colorado originally. Where? Where'd you go to high school? And he... Turns out we went to high school together this brewer in this little tiny town in Germany. I don't even know how it happened. Anyway, we were just, our minds were blown uh, that we knew each other and like everything came uh, storming back and he gave me this beer. Uh, This beer is called Turn, uh, the special beer. And this beer has hemp in it, um, which is very weird for them uh, because it's not Reinheitsgebot. So we were like, how neat Reinheitsgebot. Um, we asked, how could you do that? It turns out you can actually file with the government for an exception, and that's what they did with this beer. So, um, does it say beer on the label? Uh, it says the special beer, yes. Special so, beer. they also, this beer though, for the most part, g- completely goes either to Italy or. Um, Asian markets, so th- this isn't really sold in uh, in Germany itself. But uh, you can definitely take taste the dankness of that hemp. The label uh, when you're there, it says it has like small amounts of THC in it. Um, I was a little surprised that I got that back into America. <laughs> I don't really know. Are we gonna get arrested? I, I was like, maybe I don't. I don't think they saw the label, but. Um, New York isn't quite there yet with that, but um, I thought it would be interesting to bring because, um, uh, you know, uh, THC uh, infused beers and hemp infused beers just like starting to be a really big thing. I think we're going to see a lot of them um, in the next coming years. It's so. definitely coming, and it's mm-hmm. and it's not about the THC necessarily. It's about right. the terpenes. Right, right. They and as what, what's terpenes? That's what that's the hop oil that gives you the aroma. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's one of, but. Um, <clears throat> As most of you probably know out there in the world, uh, hops and hemp are the two closest cousins, and 
they share a lot of characteristics, including the oil content. And that's why a lot of people are going, oh, that IPA is dank because it <laughs> smells like pot. And it smells like pot because they're, they're cousins and they have similar uh, chemicals in them, compounds. And one of which is the terpenes. And there's been a huge uh, push on research in that. I was at a Master Brewers Association meeting in San Diego recently, and Hopsteiner get a talk on on hemp terpenes. Everyone's looking into this, and as it becomes legal in more and more states, and it's already been happening in the states where it is legal, it's going into beer, and that's definitely coming in the future. Man, our friend from Russia, tell us your name again and the name of your brewery. Alex from Zagabar. Alex. One more time. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. Just kidding. Okay. Keep going, Pete. That's good. So, you know, you, you got a spot in Berlin now. Tell us what your take on, on, on beer in Germany. You know, do they appreciate what you're doing? You know, any certain uh, small breweries that you really like in Germany? Oh, <clears throat> uh, Germans are interesting people. So. <laughs> uh, we uh, mostly brew like uh, IPAs, sour ales, and uh, imperial stouts, and that stuff we send from Russia to German bar too. So, and uh, people like a lot of sour stuff with fruits and stuff like this, because they in tradition they got this Berlin device uh, with uh, fruit uh, syrup fruit added uh, from very ancient times. So that's that's very close to their culture, but for IPAs they kind of tricky thing for them. We we got even KCBC beer in our bars and Finback and some <laughs> others. People like it, but still kind of not afraid. But not so sure. Yeah, yeah, they, they're not falling in love like like here. You think it takes people a while to to get accustomed to hops? And that hop was our flavor. hope when we opened bar like two years ago, almost now. But it's still not coming. Now you're selling all lagers. <laughs> yeah, they're still they're still like we have a couple of uh, lagers on tap, and they're still very popular. So. So you, do you sell beers that you make in Russia and other beers? Yeah, yeah, of course. Some local trying to bring some other Russian breweries to promote them in Europe and stuff like this. So yeah, but but we we, we are really like surprised because the Mikeller Bar is opened in Berlin, Brewdog Bar opened in Berlin, and many, there are like around ten more craft beer bars, and they're pretty crow- crowded all the time. But still, it's not like a blast like here or even in Russia. It's in Moscow, over 50 craft beer bars now, so, and people wow. like it, and they're always full. Yeah. But in Germany, Germany is still sleeping. I don't know why. <laughs> they're traditional. It's beer, it's, sorry, it's, sorry, it's beer country. And it's, but they drink a lot of beer. Yeah, from oh, my yeah. expectation, they should, like, it's the first country in the world to be in the beer stand. But okay, let's, let's taste another beer that you brought from Germany. This is it. I don't that's think that's all you brought. Yeah, I don't, oh, just one. Yeah, so yeah. I guess they are sleeping. Oh, the pink, the pink boots <laughs> drink all of my other beer. Um, I have a stout. I, yeah, yeah. Let's do Casey. I was going to agree with him. We'll talk he, German, uh, but we're going to drink Casey BC, okay? <laughs> we, um, I, you know what they told me as far as IPAs go? I thought this was an interesting anecdote. Um, women love IPAs in Germany. That's their main audience. So it's because the beer is, or the way they think it is because a beer is served in a, uh, like a smaller, like wine glass, mm-hmm. um, sort of glass. And so the women like that better than drinking the liters. Um, so their primary market for IPAs is women, which is so opposite from, or what you would think was opposite, uh, so which is obviously easier not easier on accurate. your digestion. Yeah, yeah, but the way yeah. the way that we are, we Smaller think portions, is that women like alcohol. IPAs. Obviously, women love IPAs, but the way that we present it and market it is that IPAs are like 
super dank for dudes, you know. Um, but out there, it's like very much embraced that women like IPAs. So it's pretty interesting. I, I like drinking my IPAs out of like a little goblet myself. So yeah, I agree. I, c- I can't drink <laughs> liters of IPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twelve ounces. Is I can, probably good. but things will get weird. But it's, that is a different culture. Drink, you know, drinking your liter or half liter of beer and just drinking it down. I mean. That's a different way of drinking, you know. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm used. To, I always started drinking strong beers. Talking about German beers, I would drink like a Doppelbach or Aventinus or like a strong Belgian Trappist. I, I never started drinking beer just to have like beer. Yeah, yeah. Well, they give it. They serve it as water. Just comes cheaper than water. Like yeah, yeah. I, didn't I didn't drink, drink much any water, water when yeah. I was there. I, like I don't know if I, I probably spent a few days where i had no water yeah they and they're like oh but there's water in the beer you're fine and the beer's two euros and the water's five and you're like yeah yeah it's crazy and you're like you try and ask for tap water and they bring you out like a bottle of sparkling you're like that's not what i wanted but um yeah no i mean beer is but that's the thing is it's not like used as a binge drinking situation and at the legal age is 16 so i'm sitting in bars with 16 year olds who are just drinking beer like regular whereas like in america we'd probably be like you know binge drinking it or whatever they're drinking it like it's a beverage it's part of your food you know like it's what you eat with your meals uh, or drink with your meals so um just totally different perspective honestly what's the drinking like in russia i wonder drinking what (laughs) (laughs) do they drink heavily in russia heavily always (laughs) beer beer too yeah no i mean i mean i can i can um Attest that. Attest to that. I've been out with these guys a few times. <laughs> no, still, I've seen many times in bar, in our bar, we have a bar in Moscow. Like people drinking one imperial stout after another, and like Jesus. three, four times, and then walk into another bar. <laughs> <laughs> Talk walk, about drinking. Walk. So you guys are here. You're going to go to the New York City Brewers Guild. No, I was gathering. Just, just came back. Oh, you were there already. <laughs> <I> stole him. <laughs> At Braven Brewery. So, uh, Pete, Pete, what's the stout? The KCBC stout. This, this is, is a, a, a Russian session stout. <laughs> this is now. This is a an oyster stout we did. Session stout with uh, <laughs> with uh, Randolph beer. We put I don't know sixty pounds of oyster shells in the kettle. Um, it's four point two percent. It's got Maris Otter chocolate, brown malt, black malt, flaked oats. Um, yeah, it's uh, delicious. Very good. Thanks for giving us the recipe, man. <laughs> I like the chocolate Anytime. malt in there. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Well, this, we're off to a great start. Uh, we're going to take another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys. Uh, Katarina from Lineup Brewing and uh, Pete from KCBC here. We're talking about travels in Europe, German beers, and we got Alex uh, from which brewery in Moscow? Zagavor. Zagavor. He walked in, too. So it's a New York City Brewers Guild night. Um, so, Katarina, highlights of your trip to uh, Franconia, 
Uh, you said there were some cool ships, the decoction. What did you take away? What's a beer that you're going to make that was inspired by your trip? Uh, so I already make a pretty famous German Pilsner called Beer Yonce that... I didn't think you could say that name. On I, the air. I can. Right. I, I, I was waiting for somebody to come and like knock me out from behind when I said it. Uh, so I'm remaking that beer. Um, and I, I mentioned this before. It's going to be called Pills, Pills, Pills. Uh, so the main takeaway was what hop additions. I'm going to add. Um, I don't Do even want to tell everybody. I know. Now I'm going to. Um, it, it'll be a mix of different things. But we went through the Hollertower region. Um, we went you know, through spalt, uh, all of these places that grow hops, right? Like hops are their life and, um, the whole community orbits around the hops and then the beer that's made by them. Um, so I asked every single brewery what was in their Pilsner, what was in their German Pilsner. And I would tell you like almost every single place I went, it was Perlay. Okay. Almost every single time. And then Tatnang, like a little bit, but like mostly no Perlay. <laughs> No, and that's what I use. So I was like very interested that that was like uh, what they, you know, what they use. So I almost, I think I will change the recipe a little bit um, to just experiment with that. Um, I don't experiment with What's the pearly hop? I mean, it's just another, it's a noble hop. It's just, it's it's mild as well. Um, What's the, the, it's probably like, what's the alpha acid? Probably like around 8%. Nothing super 7% lighter. Pretty Um, high for German hops. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice. It's, it's, uh, floral, but they're also, they're also like light and that's what I love about them. But, um, I, I don't know. I, I liked how Beer Yonsei came out. It was a great beer. Uh, but I definitely want to, now that I've been there, I want to play with no, some that, other, that's, some other number You got hops. some new secrets. Yeah. And Alex, so you come to New York, you're making collaborations. Where have you been making collaborations on, on this recent trip? Uh, this trip? Yeah. Uh, just yesterday we made another collaboration with other half, triple IPA. And today we made a collaboration with Finback. It will be some milkshake with watermelon, stuff like this. What? How do you, how do you approach your collaborations? Because you're traveling a lot. You, you guys already have the recipes worked out by email. Yeah, yeah. We, we talk we, sometimes phone calls, some, mostly mails, discuss some details, some ideas, some designs. So, yeah. And what about for you, Pete? I mean, you're 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 traveling a lot. Is that how it works? You just do emails, you plan it out in advance, have the ingredients lined up. Yeah, it's up? mostly email. Um, if it's someone that's local and they know them real well, like today, uh, text. <laughs> just we do an interborough collab of text to Jesse back and forth, and we're like this and this. And uh, today was uh, Trevor at GBA, and it's a few Green texts point. and we're done. So what, yeah. what did you make with Trevor? We're going to make, we've made a beer before, an IPA, but we're making another one, which will be uh, our first Quebec strain IPA, and it's simple pills, and uh, I think Thomas Fawcett Pearl, 50-50 wheat and flaked wheat for some haze and protein, and then we're going to do some special hopping technique that he's So the Quebec, that's again, that's that's a Norwegian (coughs) yeast that people are talking about. Yeah, super yeast. And you're saying he he made a he did a real fast turnaround on that. And yeah, IPA yeah, he's he's been using it with great success, and uh, he he said he put one IPA out in seven days, which is crazy. Wow! Yeah. What each one of you brewers? Tell me something that you've learned recently in, in one of your trips or collaborations. It could be about the, the culture, 
of the place or a particular like a secret like this Quebec East I'll the fast east okay yeah. Pete um, one of the breweries in Scandi in Scandinavia uh, was telling me about I don't want to give away their secrets <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say without permission so um, I'll no just say, I'll just say he, he has a, he has a yeast he has a, a malt that you wouldn't expect but he, he's discovered that it's just an under modified malt and has a lot of protein and gives you a good haze. Um, I would share it, but I would need his permission first. So he might have just given that to me. Um, so it's not yeah, oats. It's, like, it's not oats. <laughs> I'm, I'm so over oats, by the way. What about but, you, Alex? <laughs> oh, I learned a lot because, uh, you know, I made collaboration in States and I made collaboration in Russia and in Europe too. So every region got its own approach to brewing. Mm. How people brew, how people ferment, how people harvest yeast, how people dry hop, like in Europe is a lot of uh, influence of German culture, how they brew, what type of brew houses they have. In Russia, we have also a big influence of European culture. And in States, people tend to go so fast, like IPA within two weeks or something like this. In Europe, people tend to wait like four weeks before they make an IPA or something. So it's really interesting. Every I, basically, every brewery got its own approach in something, and you can learn something from them. And I'll share your knowledge, how how you do. Maybe they will like it. So it's yeah, it's always interesting. Collaboration is always like about share, sharing knowledge between each other. It's interesting. Always an exchange. It's like, oh, this is what we do. Oh, this is what we do. Yeah. This is why we do it. This is our beer. Taste this. And our, this is ours. Taste this. It's always an exchange. It's great. And Katarina, it's something else you got from your trip. Besides uh, a new new noble hop. <laughs> a lot of uh, about yeast health, honestly. I th- they take uh, just really interesting uh, approaches to yeast, yeast harvesting, yeast washing. Um, and then we, you know, we went to um, the, what do you call it, the Harvard of... Vines to Fun? Yes. The Harvard of beer schools out there um, is called World's Wines to Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Weinstefan and it um, they also on top of it being a school and they train these master programs for like the for master like brewers um, they also are a business and they so every brewery sends samples to them and tries to get like accredited by them um, but th- it was very apparent that every brewery really cares about what uh, is in their beer so and what how, how clean their yeast is all these things it's basically a lab for people who don't have labs uh, within their breweries. So um, we don't do a ton of that. Uh, I know Pete just got a really cool lab, but like that's not something we a lot of the brewers out here have. Um, so, so just Pete, the you have yeast a lab health at is very interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, we've got a UV spec. We've got a PCR machine. So And what are you looking for? You're looking for analyzing yeast while you're brewing? I, I like to fingerprint our beers. I send samples of our beers off for water chemistry profiling. Um, it's, I like to, when we find something that's really working, I want to know why, and so we can reproduce it. And beer, as the Germans would tell you, is mostly water, and the water chemistry is really going to have a huge impact on your beer. That's how most beer styles developed around the water, the local water. And uh, that's something that I'm really into, is water chemistry. And there's been a lot of research done lately. Like, we all put water profiles together, and then we do chemistry for our beers and sulfate, cal- calcium chloride ratio, and this and that. But 
Um, I've been listening to some research lately that like Ballast Point's been doing and others on the contribution of salts from your malt, which is huge. It's mind-blowing. Like, we, we're working with this is our water, what's in it, this is what we're putting in it, and then you add your malt, and it changes everything. Yeah. And, and it depends on where your maltster is located and their water. Mm. And so people, don't, if, unless you're brewing with the same malt, and then that's, that's now a, con, a constant, you've got a, a, a variable in your, in your water profile that you're, you, you don't know what it is. Um, that's pretty deep. So that's why I'm kind of profiling our beers. Um, wow. I want to figure out what's going on, what these malts are contributing. So to, to, to flip that... Working. Let's just say you, you guys made, let's say I made a beer. I wanted to have like 10 brewers make a beer with just New York City water without any other, you know, mineral additions or anything. Is that something that, that anyone's done? Is, there, is, is, oh, that, yeah, is that interesting? Yeah. It would probably be a lager. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have, there's not a lot going on in our water and like it's pretty soft. There's not a lot of uh, magnesium or calcium or any, any uh, hardness to it. And, uh, that's why we had 100-plus breweries here pre-prohibition making lager beer. Yeah. Um, like Pilsner is developed in um, Pilsen uh, in the Czech Republic, and it was a difficult uh, place to brew beer because their water was so soft until they had this uh, German Braumeister, Josef Gross, who studied malting in England and developed this new technique they did and he learned it technique for doing a, making really pale malt, Pilsner malt. And then he took that and he, and he paired it with their very soft water and made the Pilsner beer and he used their local hops, Zots, as we call Saz, um, and uh, developed Pilsner or Kel. And it took over the world. He also used a yeast, uh, a pure culture of yeast from Carlsberg Brewery which was the first brewery to ever do a, a pure culture of yeast, and it was a lager yeast. And so he had a, a clean, pale, clear beer that was actually something very new at the time. And, soft and not water. smoky, not smoky. <laughs> soft yeah. water and clean, clean It was yeast. an indirect kiln, so it didn't have a smoke character to it, and it had a pure culture of yeast, so it didn't have a funk to it. Okay, and so in, in your travels, you've had experience. Okay, last question for everyone. Okay, so... Tell me of a collaboration experience in a different country or a different city where either the water or the circumstances have been challenging and you may have learned from it or you may regret it. I don't know. I mean, is it ever that crazy? Or does, is everyone operating like in the modern system now where they've got, they're able to modify their water, you know, get the ingredients they need? Everyone that we've brewed with has figured it out. Um, we're a little bit selective, like with who we decide to collaborate with. We're just not going to, like, um, we want to know who they are, know that the beer's good, of course, and, and then we'll make a beer with them. And they've, they've figured it out. Um, there's, there's lots of good brewers out there, so I, I haven't had a challenge anywhere, I'd say. I mean, they all know what they're doing, and we're just bringing in a little bit of uh, what we do and putting it together. What about but, for you, Alex? <coughs> With collaboration, I, yeah, I agree with Pete. I never face any issues. Like, like you are more experienced and people less experienced in this place. Everybody pretty well professional in, in their area. What I'm always missing is just to try the beer we made. 
because sometimes <laughs> yeah. sometimes you make in beer other part of the world and yeah. then next time you come and it's already gone or something. <laughs> That's what I'm missing because when you're making beer, then it's important to try it and to see what what's your ideas, how they convert it into beer, how it, what is the result actually. Because uh, collaboration is really good uh, space for experimenting for both breweries because it's one-time brew and you can put some experiments in it and then you'll see what's yeah, and if it doesn't turn out, you're just blaming on the collaborator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 no, bruises. No, 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 Pete, you're supposed to us. blame it on the local water. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's local water. That's what I meant. And then in Canada, anything, we're gonna have to wrap up in a minute. That's why. So yeah, um, I mean, especially as I go into like building out uh, <clears throat> my own uh, brewery, seeing the German ones, I would say the the hardest part they're not trying to change anything about their breweries and they're all so antiquated like everything is so old um and it's so inefficient uh this like the all the stairs and the time it takes and just like just old right and they, they but then they don't need a gym membership right oh they do not they definitely yes. do not there they, they build those german people very well um and so it's interesting to see like how we've perfected it in America for me. So layouts of things um, as a, obviously I'm not going to put in a bunch of stairs, but like that was the biggest struggle. Honestly, when we were brewing with people was, I mean, you're going, oh God, you're going up and down like thousands of stairs. It's crazy at a time, especially for like an old lady, like sister Doris. I'm like, geez, don't do this. I mean, you are know? you looking at me? I'm not an old Peter, lady. It looks like a, a drawing of like some ancient, you know, Sumerian brewery, right? Where they're walking up yeah. steps with sacks of grain. Oh, and they don't complain about it. They're like all about it, but uh, it's I'm going to put so... steps in my next brewery. <laughs> no, we probably need yeah, to, really. but uh, no, that was definitely the, the part that I didn't expect was how old and kind of scary some of these buildings are but they're like not trying to change it or anything so um wow. i'm happy that we have well better. it's so great having you on and sorry we have to cut it off and, and one person with something they gotta say before i sign off pete has one what? no no, no. Yeah. alex I'm I'm alex what should i say what should i say i don't know what okay. do you want to say alex? no i want to say like people don't be afraid of beer from any countries yes <laughs> that's good yeah beer, beers, beers are great everywhere so more travel, more beers. See, that, more travel. That, that more was travel. your question. I knew you had something to say, Alex. <laughs> I love this guy. Pete, this was awesome. Katarina, thank you so much. And uh, Pete from KCBC and Alex from, what's the name of the brewery? Zagovar. Zagovar. <laughs> you guys made my day. This is a lot of fun. We get Thanksgiving next week. And uh, I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Justin Kennedy, producer. Uh, Dylan Hoyer, our intern. Matt Patterson, engineer. Thanks for joining us on the Heritage Radio Next Network. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member.
Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.